Welcome to the Future Focus Leadership Podcast. I'm Dr. Chris Grosskirth. Episode 2. Why does the Fourth Industrial Revolution matter? Um, I connected with you guys last week on um, really, you know, defining what the Fourth Industrial Revolution is. Um, this first season really focuses on kind of the, the, the basics of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. And man, what a busy couple of weeks on this topic it has been. Just got back from D.C. this week, um, working with one of my favorite clients, talking with some other thought leaders about the Fourth Industrial Revolution and, and the future of work. have been to Des Moines, Iowa, uh, Pittsburgh, PA next week. And this topic is just on everybody's mind because it's so darn important. And so that's what this episode is really about, is in kind of building your fundamental understanding is looking at why does exactly the fourth industrial revolution matter when we take a step back and kind of put aside the coolness and the shininess of of the technologies um man there's so many books i'm, I'm sitting here looking in my office at a pile of books on uh the second machine age uh the future of the professions, just on and on and on, book after book. Um, a new one I just ordered uh, today, again, about robotics, Rise of the Robots. These are all my favorites. You can download that reading list at my my blog, Leadership, the number 4ir.com. That's leadership4ir.com. And um, I, I, I've kind of summarized some of my favorites. But those books, you know, those are all really just kind of telling you about the cool technologies, about machine learning, about artificial intelligence. And so many people are are out there talking about that, but, but they're not really getting at the heart of why the fourth industrial revolution matters. So I want to cover basically four topics today. Uh, the, the first is the economy. The second is jobs specifically. The third is education and community. So the economy, jobs, education, and community. So the fourth industrial revolution, is, is, as you learned in episode one, is really, I mean, this is the fourth major economic area. So it's about the economy, stupid. The way that we're producing things is changing. The way that we're using information is changing. The way that we're consuming information is changing. This is about the economy. This is about big, hairy, macroeconomic trends. Um, so the client that I was working with this week, it's about understanding how robotics is fundamentally going to change their business and preparing for that. So there are these big, giant economic shifts that um, really make this an important topic. I mean, some of the, the uh, there's a book out there called Four Futures, and um, the, I mean, this basically, economists and futurists and uh, I think that author says he's a uh, social science fiction author. They're basically looking at how will the fourth industrial revolution impact the economy to the extent that the economy in the United States and the world might not even look the same um, in 10 to 20 years. So what does that mean in terms of how we start preparing for that now? So this is absolutely about big macroeconomic trends. Um, and so related to that, that, that does kind of get to the, you know, the economy is a hot political topic. Um, I had an, an opportunity to, 
to listen this week while I was in D.C. to a guy by the name of Frank Newport. And Frank is um, the, the brain and the architect behind the Gallup poll, and he was sharing some awesome information about America's confidence in institutions from June 7th to June 11th in 2017 here. And it's really interesting what's happening in, in these data is that when you look at the institutions that Americans are most confident in, it's the military and small businesses. Um, very, very high level of confidence on this list. And when we look way down the list at, at the two or three institutions that that Americans are least confident in, here are the bottom three. Big business, only 21% confidence. News on the internet, 16%. And Congress, dead last, 12%. So these are not high levels of confidence. I mean, 12% confidence... You're talking about what basically one in ten people who are who are confident in that institution. So, the, but when we look at the top of the list, military and small business. Now you can say, okay, the military is a part of the government. Um, how can you parse that out, Chris? But the military is kind of seen as a as, as a separate institution in the eyes of Americans. And what's really interesting, what Frank pointed out, was that the the military is perceived as being kind of um, altruistic, you know, self sacrificing, um, focused on focused on the lives of others, and not um, like Congress is, is being seen as very self serving. And, and you could probably argue the same for big business at the at, also at the bottom of that list. So the faith in institutions around um, the, the decisions that Congress is making about the economy relative to the self-sacrifice that, that, that the military and small businesses are doing to make the, the world free and free for you know, the little guy to get ahead, um, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a hard nut to crack here, guys. I mean, if you, if you want to be successful in politics, show that you care about somebody else other than yourself and show that you care about Main Street and not Wall Street. And that's a, that's a phrase that we haven't heard, you know, since the, the, the Great Recession post-2008. But it's the truth. This is, this is why Americans' confidence in institutions is waning is because Congress is seen as self-serving. So what does this mean for both big businesses and small businesses? If, if the economy is one of the major... Uh, considerations for the fourth industrial revolution. For small businesses, it, it, it does mean you can continue to look for efficiencies that can, can help your organization grow. It also means this. It's never been easier for anyone in the world with an internet connection and a smartphone to start a small business, sharing information, using information. This is why you see these slew of online marketer gurus who have started their business online. It's never been easier for that. Um, one of the, the thought leaders, the other thought leaders that I got a chance to spend some time with this week, was uh, 
with a guy from Deloitte, and so that their 2017 Human Capitals report is is absolutely fantastic. I've I've I have links to it on uh, a couple articles that I have on Medium.com, but uh, you know Deloitte has a model that they're out there um, sharing with the world, and they show that the greatest opportunity gap for the future of work is between individuals and businesses. Um, but when you look at the larger gap on, on this line graph that they, that they shared, the largest gap is between individuals and technologies. So for individuals, if you're, if you're the little guy, the small business owner on my, Main Street, um, and thank you to Dr. Joe Fanning for, for challenging me on the first episode, um, um, what does this mean for the little guy? If you're the little guy, it means you have a tremendous opportunity to, to leverage these technologies, these 4IR technologies, to change the game for, first and foremost, your customers, and to give your customers a better experience, and secondly, for your employees. Uh, if, if your business is growing and you need to attract great talent and you're trying to lure these people away from huge companies, that engagement and that conversation with future employees, it begins before they even start at your company in day one. So there's a tremendous opportunity, yes, between individuals and businesses to close the productivity gap, but there's there's an even bigger opportunity between individuals and technology, and that is radically, radically going to change the economy. Which brings me to the second point of why the fourth industrial revolution matters, and that's jobs. Um, there is no doubt that the, the mega trends um, that I talked about in episode one, um, digitization, automation, robotics, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, those are the big five. There is no doubt that those megatrends are absolutely changing jobs and the nature of work. That's why there's a lot of books um, on this topic that I just rattled off um, and you can download from uh, my summer reading list. That's why there's so many books on this topic because it's an easy sell. Uh, the robots are coming. They're going to take our jobs. And true enough, I just published a blog post that, that um, has a great video from the World Economic Forum and it called Eight Jobs uh, Humans Will Lose to Robots. It, it's, it's sensational. It's a sexy topic. You want to learn about what those eight jobs are. Um, that article's uh, also out on medium.com under my name. Uh, but the changing nature of jobs due to robotics, due to machine learning, due to artificial intelligence, no doubt is, is why you should care, regardless if you're a physician and, and a brain surgeon or if you are a truck driver. Um, literally, these are, these are actual professions um, that kind of show the whole scope of, of jobs that the fourth industrial revolution is going to impact. Um, here's a couple of stats. Uh, this one is from a 2017 Gallup poll. I, I think this is fascinating. And I quote, about one in four U.S. workers, 26% to be exact, say it is at least somewhat likely that their job will be eliminated by new technology, automation, artificial intelligence, robots within the next 20 years. About one in four. 
About one in eight workers, 13%, say this will happen in the next five years. So you've got 13% of people saying robots are going to take my job within the next five years. And you've got 26% of people saying it's likely going to happen in the next 20 years. So I've, you know, I've got a few more years to worry about learning something new, starting a new business, or getting going. Uh, 20 years goes by in the blink of an eye. So if you're a millennial, um, if you were born between 1980 and 1996, no doubt you are going to see massive, massive change. Your career will change in some way. I promise you this today. Uh, today's September 22nd. I promise you today, September 22nd, 2017, your job will change no matter what you do as a result of the mega trends that are defining the fourth industrial revolution. No doubt your job will change or how your customers purchase from you or how you deliver service will change because of these big five uh, fourth industrial revolution mega trends. Now, if you're in the 13%, one in eight, so to speak, who say that this is going to happen within the next five years, what the heck are you waiting on? What the heck are you waiting on? Get busy learning something new, starting something new, going somewhere new, doing something new, because you've got to get busy. But now here's, here's a kicker. See, that, that's what America thinks is going to happen to the job. When we look at another study, this is from um, Oxford uh, Martin School, 2013 study. This study predicts that 47% of U.S. jobs were highly likely to become computerized between 2020 and 2030. So that puts us squarely in that, that same time horizon of the next you know, 10 to 15 years that people are saying, well, it could be the next five, it could be the next 20. We're in the same ballpark, more or less, where you have people predicting that as much as 47%, half of U.S. jobs, could be automated by 2020 to 2030. That's a much larger number than the 13% of workers who are saying this is going to happen in the next five years, or the 26% who are saying, no, it's probably going to happen in the next 20 years. I mean, we're, we're grossly underestimating. If you believe the, the Oxford's Martin School study that, that as much as, and I've seen other studies that, that predict about 40 to 50 some percent of jobs could be automated. If you believe that, then the Gallup study shows that as a people, as a public, we are grossly underestimating um, how close to home these megatrends are relative to our jobs. So again, if you're a small business owner, what what part of your job could be automated? And what would that, I mean, it's not all gloom and doom. What would that free you up to do? That might free you up to do some pretty cool stuff. If, if you could continue, if you could make money 24 by 7, selling what you know via some form of, of new connectivity or via some uh, machine learning platform that you could program, that would be pretty cool to, to be able to still make, you know, uh, the living that you're living today, but 
have, have all this free time to do other things? That's a, that's a great question. If, if you like this question, um, go on to leadership4ir.com and leave me a comment. What would you do with your time if you could make the same amount of money that you make today by automating what you do or what you know? What, what the heck would you do with your time? Maybe we would have another cultural renaissance. I um, went to Italy uh, two, two, two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, time's flying, gang. Um, and, and it was amazing that how much art, you know, was produced during the Renaissance period. And, and it does make me think about the future. And, you know, what will human beings do if some of these studies are right and half of our jobs are, are automated? Uh, we got to do something. We got to have some money to, uh, to to purchase the things that that these people are automating and, and producing through robots. So, jobs number two. So we've got the economy, jobs. Um, it leads us nicely to education. What the heck um, is going on in higher ed? Uh, you know there. I'm really excited about about a new book that I just ordered today, pre-ordered. I'll pull the pull the name of it up for you here. But um, this is this is great. It, it's really kind of taking a look at. Uh, it's called Robot Proof: Higher Education in the Age of Artificial Intelligence. Uh, Joseph Aoun, and this comes out on September 26th. It's nineteen uh, nineteen dollars and six cents on Amazon.com. Uh, no affiliation with uh, Joseph here, but he's the president of Northeastern University. It's published with MIT Press. But this is really taking a look at what the heck is going on in higher ed. And what's higher education's role in preparing and uh, educating people for the future? Um, there's a lot out there on this topic, and, and it's, it's one that we're touching on you know, why the fourth industrial revolution matters in this episode, but it's something that we'll continually come back to in this, in this season, um, focused on, you know, future focused leadership fundamentals, uh, because education is so, so important. And so you've got books like this looking at what's higher ed's role. And one of the contentions, um, that, um, robot proof is, is defending is that higher education has to do more than just have professors who transmit information. Um, knowledge is, is, has become commoditized. It has become open. It has become accessible. Uh, if you want to learn something to educate yourself, to, to, to change your job, to participate in, in the economy differently, um, you can do that. And you can do that for free. You can get, you can take classes from some of the best institutions in the world, from MIT, from Stanford, from the University of Michigan, from Harvard, on and on and on and on. You can take free open source courses through mass online open source, you know, platforms and learning communities. Those are those are three IR and four IR changes that are making they're what I, I this is a fancy term, but they're democratizing information. They're making information that in prior industrial revolutions were only accessible to to kind of the upper crust of society. So 
Four Hiaras democratized information and education in, in a really promising way. Uh, but you have people who have worked for their lives as educators and teachers, as university professors, as corporate trainers, education, all of those forms of education, who realistically, I, I, as somebody who educates leaders and has been a university uh, instructor and someone who develops future faculty at the University of Michigan, as somebody who does a heck of a lot of speaking and um, facilitation, well, facilitation, I think, will be safe for a long, long time. But if you're delivering information, if you're delivering content that could otherwise be delivered in a more engaging, more accessible platform, I would be worried about what it is my day job is going to be. Now, this doesn't mean your day job is going to be eliminated, right? Because I said there's an opportunity. I love this Deloitte model. I'll get a, I'll get a photo of this or the, the report. I, I have seen it in some of their other reports on, on leadership4ir.com. But the biggest gaps are between businesses and individuals and between individuals and technology. It doesn't mean that if you're in education in any form or fashion, whether it's educating your patients, whether it's educating your clients, whether it's educating um, your students, it doesn't mean that your job is going away. But it does mean how people are using information is radically changing. So you're in the information business. What are the ways in which you can get that information in a helpful real-time, just-in-time, seamless way to help people use information about your business differently, connecting with them uh, in communities, building trust with them around the information. Well, here's a neat connection. One of those bottom <laughs> uh, institutions that Americans have low confidence in from the, the earlier this summer, back in June, 7th to 11th, 2017, 16% saying they're confident in news on the internet. Um, now, educational information on the internet isn't out there, but there is so much crap information out there. If you know something and you're an expert in something, prove it to me. I went to college for 10 years and got a PhD and have worked for my butt off for the last 20 years doing this stuff. I have that credibility when I'm sharing information with clients and, and with people. Um, I also reference the works of others generously. If you're Joe Blow and you have a blog while you're sitting in your bunker somewhere in the middle of, of Kansas or Nebraska um, telling the world what you know by your service, by your product, you got to work pretty hard, my friend to build trust in the educational snake oil that you're selling. There is so much crap out there on the internet that um, I just can't stand it. It comes through the Facebook feed. It comes through LinkedIn. Um, and so people, I think, are retreating from some of those, those traditional spaces, and they're saying, where do I belong? Where can I talk with more people who are interested in the future work? So you're getting these micro-communities of people who are sharing high-quality information, and they're still going to need good leaders. They're still going to need good educators. 
Speaking of community, that's uh, topic number four as to why the fourth industrial revolution matters. And then I'm going to get out of here because you have important things to do. I have important things to do. We have to go out and change the world. Um, the last one is community. Uh, boy, you go back to this, this Gallup data from Frank Newport. If this shows anything, man, it is that we are absolutely uh, our faith in in the in just the nature of institutions and organizations, right? We have our faith in the places where life happens, community, you know, communication, community. These are, this is how we make life happen. It's how we make common understanding. Um, you know, I remember reading Robert Putnam's book many, many years ago called Bowling Alone. And and that's a book that, I mean, that's about the decline of what he calls the decline of social capital in in the United States and the world. Uh, is as connected as third and fourth industrial revolution technologies have made us, we have never been more isolated in in the communities that we that we participate in. They have become more, more segregated. They have become ever more uh, divided uh, between red and blue, black and white. Um, and we've got to do something to, to change that. And I, I, when we talk about the pitfalls and the promises of the fourth industrial revolution, one of the pitfalls in my mind is this ever widening gap between the haves and the have-nots, um, between races, between religions. Um, this is interesting. The from, from July 2017 to September 2017, when you ask what the most important problems, this is this is Gallup data. Most important problems facing the U.S. are, um, number one, dissatisfaction with government. No no surprise there. But look at these next two. Look at these next three, in fact. Number two, uh, 12% of Americans agreeing it's racism. 11% saying it's immigration. 8% agreeing pretty heartily that it's unifying the country. Immigration, racism, race relations, immigration, unifying the country. Y'all, this is about community. <laughs> this is about coming together. And so I think one of the biggest pitfalls uh, as to why uh, the fourth industrial revolution matters is because of that. It, it has the power and the potential to divide us in in, into what could look like a a post-industrial Mad Max kind of world. And I'll tell you what, that ain't a world that I want to live in. It ain't a world that I want to see my little nieces and nephews or my, my children, my grandchildren. Uh, it ain't a world that I want to see anybody coming up in. So we have got to figure out how we use the powers of education, automation, uh, new jobs, new forms of organizing to become more inclusive, more diverse, more tolerant 
institutions. What I just pulled some um, some census data for this client that I was helping future-proof their their workforce uh, this week, and by 2020, half of the workforce is going to be millennial. It's either 2020 or 2030. Let me check that one for you. But by 2043, what we consider in this country to to be the racial and ethnic minorities will constitute more than 50% of the demographic groups they represent um, in, in this country. So historically considered minorities will be the majority in this country. And I think that's a beautiful opportunity for us to learn how to put our own crap aside and get together and get along. Because it, first of all, if you go back to the economy and jobs, there are not enough qualified, talented people to fill the types of jobs that will fuel artificial intelligence, automation, robotics, 3D printing in, in the next 20 years. So we have got to get our butts busy right now, friends, in educating and building communities that are inclusive and that, that bring people together. Um, because not only <laughs> we are going to have to learn to work together with robots, but we're also going to have to learn how to work together with each other despite our differences. Um, so I'm going to get out of here. It's uh, 7.30 in the morning, my time. I've got a full day ahead of me. Uh, check out that reading list again at leadership4ir.com. Uh, tune in next time. This is Dr. Chris, and I'll see you in the future. Be nice to each other.